Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, he had a number of dramatic moments in his book that he uh, uh, communicates through. There was one moment that the Lord says to Jeremiah, he, he says, go to the potter's house and there I will give you the message that I have for you. So, so Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and, and he looks and he sees the potter at work. The potter is sitting down, we'd assume spinning, and he's got his hands on the clay and the potter is shaping um, the vase or, or pot or would be pottery eventually. But then it says that Jeremiah notices that the piece of clay is off, uses the word marred or disfigured, misshapen. So the potter has to collapse it and start again. And then the Lord gives the message, part of the message he gives to the people, the children of God is this, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He goes on to say that, that part of the message, he says, if I plan to judge a nation, and I bring that judgment to the nation. And yet if they repent, if they turn from their wicked ways, then I will not judge, but I will bring favor and blessing. But he also says the flip side is true. If I plan on blessing and favor to a particular people, and yet they persist in rebellion and sin, then I will change my mind. And instead of blessing and favor, I will bring judgment upon them. That was Jeremiah 18. Guess what happens in the next chapter, Jeremiah 19? Another dramatic moment with Jeremiah. The Lord tells him to, to buy a finished uh, pottery, a finished pot or vase. And he brings up the, the, the priests and the leaders of the people. And he goes in front of the people with this vase. And you know what he does? Bam! He throws it on the ground. He says, you have persisted in rebellion and sin. And so he brought judgment to Jeremiah. Now, even though Jeremiah is somewhat of a depressing book to read through, much judgment, many dramatic moments, but it ends in hope. It ends in encouragement. It ends with the prophet, even though he knew that God was bringing his judgment to the nation of Israel, he begins to point uh, the people and the people of God and you and I to a time of restoration 
and healing and renewal. He points us to the New Testament. One of the ways God does that in the Old Testament, he points us through Jeremiah to the coming of the Messiah who will make all things new. We've been in a a series on spiritual formation. And, And we've talked, actually, the last couple of weeks about sin, haven't we? Yeah, hasn't been the, the easiest, but, but meaningful, I hope, for many. And, and that is a part, sin is a part of spiritual formation, that, that sin has a way of getting in the way of God's voice and God's work and God's transformation in our lives. And so it's important that we pay attention to that sin and break the power of sin with confession. But there's another significant and profound aspect of spiritual formation that we haven't talked enough about. And that is the the renovation of the heart and the soul. That's about the, the renewing and the blessing of God from the inside out. We as a staff team, we're talking about this idea of uh, renewal, and uh, David Manzione, our youth director, came up with this illustration, I want to give credit where credit is due, um, of this somewhat rare um, art called, it's it's a Japanese art, it is called, let me get it right, Kintsugi, Kintsugi. And um, how did David know about this? I've learned not to ask. It's just David. He's an enigma. And yet, it's, it's really neat. And, and he suggested it could be a neat illustration and visual for this aspect of renewal and healing that spiritual transformation represents. So because it's somewhat of an unknown art, I figured that a large percentage outside of David's would know this art. So we have just a a short video that kind of helps us understand what this ancient art is. Let's watch the video. Thank you. 
the art of repair of broken things. The idea that if we are made in the image of God and our creator forms and shapes us, that he doesn't give up on us even when we're broken people, yes? That, that he doesn't, even when we, our souls, are like that broken pottery, only in the hands of our Abba Father does he knit us together, lines us with gold. I thought that was kind of neat to, to, to think of our soul being repaired together and made whole. Now, part of Jeremiah's message to the Israelites is that, yes, I am sovereign. Yes, I am providential. Yes, I will do this beautiful work in terms of healing and restoration and the uh, uh, repair of your soul. And yet, you all have a role to play. You can choose to cooperate with my work in your life, in Jeremiah, in the nation, or you can choose to rebel against my work. And I think he's saying that to the church today in a similar fashion as he's always said, I desire to bring healing and restoration and renewal from the inside out. I desire to knit you back together and give you the life that you were created to have, to give you the life that my son died for you to live into. But you can reject it. You can turn away from it. Or you can wade into it. You can embrace it. You can, you can learn the rhythms of grace and mercy and, and healing. Or you can shut your ears and your eyes to it. You see, I'm, I'm convinced that, that in some ways as... Kintsugi is uh, an unknown art. I believe that true spiritual formation is somewhat of a lost art, even in the Christian church. True spiritual formation. I mean, part of that is our culture. Think about it. If there's aspects of spiritual formation uh, that are about paying attention to, to the rhythms of grace, to the voice of God, to slowing down, quieting yourself, to, to focusing on the things of God as opposed to the things of the world. Our culture is set up to be the exact opposite in that, of that in our lives, is it not? From hurried and busyness to materialism to, to entertainment, not that these things are bad at all, but our lives are so filled with all these things that we stuff it with, stuff it with, stuff it with. Work and kids and, and all that stuff. That to actually slow down and pay attention to the voice of God or his, his rhythms. Who's doing that today? Not tons of people. 
Even the, the church itself can be focused on, on, on very good things like, like worship and, and Bible study and education and service to the poor. All those things, important part of a community of faith. But oftentimes within churches, true spiritual formation is a lost art. In fact, sometimes we don't even have a, a language for that. That's partly why our, one of our three values and pursuits is, is deep spiritual formation. We, we want to say, hey, this is, this is something beautiful. Jedediah was talking about the, the generations of the church and what we carry from the gener- generations. From the generations, the ancient church is this beautiful idea of the kingdom within of God's spirit and voice within and, and transformation. It's not just about what God calls us to do, but who he's calling us to become. And I want to spend some time and energy and focus. I want to say no to some very good things so I can say yes to the to the very best. What's it, what's it look like to, to join the Spirit in, in lining us with gold from the inside out? I'm going to look this morning at a, at a chapter that I believe talks about not only the spiritual formation, but then gives us some really practical ways, I believe, to, to join him in work. It's, a, it's in 2 Peter, if you would, turn with me there. It's the opening, opening chapter of 2 Peter. We're not going to read the, the whole thing. I am going to start from uh, verse 1 there. And, and uh, I want you to pay attention to some really powerful phrases that the Apostle Peter uses in these Uh, verses here. I'll just start from verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. He says, we the apostles have this precious faith and I want to speak to you all who have received as well this precious faith in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith Remember that precious faith that the apostles have received and you all have received. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, or brotherly love, sisterly love, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A number of powerful phrases that are there. If you've brought your own Bible, I would encourage you, but that's the one highlighting and circling and writing notes in the margins. One of the frames is his divine power. He's talking incredibly about the work uh, and power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. The Spirit of God is the agent of the kingdom, and he is the agent of spiritual transformation and restoration. And that power of God is alive within us, is active within us, is working. And he says, everything we need Maybe some of you have heard uh, motivational speakers say, hey, everything you need is inside of you. I've always felt like that was a little self-centered. Yes, in one sense, but who put all of that stuff inside of us? The, the, the passion and, and the fire, right? And the knowledge and understanding, the Lord did, and he pours his grace and mercy and power within. And he's saying, yes, everything. God is filling you. Everything you need is right there from the Lord. And then he says, great and precious are the promises. We get to live the promises. He doesn't specify what promises those are. I think maybe like in the Old Testament when he says, if you seek me, I promise. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Or in the New Testament, and when, when Paul says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You, you can claim that as a promise. You don't need the emotion. Emotions are good. It's a promise you claim. Or if he says, if you're thirsty and you come to me for drink, then streams of living water, the spirit of God will fill you and flow from within you. That is a promise, great and precious promises there. We get to claim those promises. There's a phrase that you don't hear all the time. Look at this phrase. He says, in verse 4, through these he has given us the very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. 
Have you used that in a sentence lately? The, the participation of the divine nature. I'd like to try and work that in. Eric, where are you going? I'm just going to go participate in the divine nature is what I'm going to do. What, what does he mean by that? Is this, the, is this the first New Age author that we ever have? I mean, participate? Doesn't that sound New Agey? What, what in the world is the apostle Peter talking about that we get to participate in the divine nature? I'm hoping that through our series, that's not as foreign of a concept to some of us. I'm seeing some furrowed brows. Let's think a little bit about where we've been. We have talked about, this is a series called Image Maker. And we have been created in the image and likeness of God, as we've learned. And and that incredibly, the statement over all, God is over all aspects of creation, all over material, animals, everything, and yet it was you and I incredibly that he chose to form in his image and his likeness. And even though through rebelliousness and sin, we've tarnished or shattered that pottery, broken, diminished that image, In a beautiful way, Jesus came and lived perfectly into the image of God and invites us to allow Christ to be formed in us. That we, this divine nature that we've been created in, that we get to participate in God's grace and mercy and goodness and righteousness. That amazing, mind blowing, that's jaw dropping. That, that, that really, that's his plan. So, so you find these inspired New Testament authors, they have and believe this truth of creation and God in us, and we share the image and the likeness of God, and they are using language to communicate this incredible and awesome truth of what God is doing. So if you think, remember, we we started the series with Galatians, Paul saying in Galatians, he says, I'm in pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, until the nature of God, the likeness of God, till you're growing and maturing into that, Image of God. Paul says in Ephesians, he says it like this, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. They're not saying that we get to become gods. We have a divine spark in us as the new age stuff says. No, but they're saying you've been created in the image of God and now the journey of the Christian is to participate in that divine nature, in that image that's been diminished and suppressed and in some ways lost, but in the power of the spirit of Christ is being 
made new in you. That is the, the new you, or as Tracy shared, that is the, the grace identity, not the, the sin identity. You get to live into that grace identity. Listen to the apostle John say it like this. I love his, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. We are children of God and yet what we will be has not yet been made known. To a certain degree, we don't know fully who God is forming us to be. And yet, he says, but we know that when Christ appears, the second coming, the consummation of the kingdom, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So he's saying, Jesus has lived that perfectly. He's been, he died on the cross to give us the power of healing and restoration. He's been resurrected and now he's coming back as our resurrected Lord and Savior. And then we get to go, oh, that's who God's forming us to be. That's who he's shaping and molding us to be, to live forever with him like that. We get, who knows, we get to be resurrected too. We get to let go of these earthly bodies and be reformed and shaped. One last connect with our King Sugi. What is it when the heaven and earth is restored? What is the pavement again? Does anyone, what's the pavement? Gold. So he's lining us with pavement. He's forming us with gold. That he's teaching us to live eternally. He's forming us into resurrection in some form. It won't be fully completed. We won't know who totally we are. But we're getting glimpses and experiences and shaping. And so that we someday carry, we carry this hope that someday we will be fully alive to God and in his presence. Amen? What a gospel. What a message. What an invitation for us to participate in. How come we're not talking more about this as a community of faith? How come we, we're not getting this, that, that, that there's so much more, there, that there is this eternity that he wants to, to fill us in right now? Now remember, we have a role to play. We don't just jump on the potter's wheel. Okay, God, do your thing. Kintsugi me. Fill me with gold. Woohoo! Remember the message of Jeremiah? How you live matters. The decisions you make matter. I think that's where powerfully Peter moves into 
very practically these, these ideas, the, these attributes that we can be filling with our lives as a cooperation. The, the, the pottery does kind of break down because the pottery just kind of sits there, right, and gets formed. So that analogy breaks down. In fact, we, we need a, a little bit, a, a different analogy. Let me go with one more analogy. I love the other phrase of increasing measure. He says that these attributes aren't something, add this, bam, good to go. Go on to the next attribute. No, that our journey, our life is about increasing, uh, increasing measure, adding these attributes. So it teaches us something about spiritual formation, that spiritual formation is a slow cook process. It's a lifelong endeavor that we're pursuing transformation. I like the analogy of cooking perhaps a stew. Think of the, the best stew that you could make, and, and you want to add, it's, got a, it's called stew because it does what? It stews in its juices, and you're, you're adding the meat and the potatoes and the, the carrots and the spices, whatever, all of that, and you're, you're adding. I think part of the, the, the spiritual formation process is like the pottery on the wheel being shaped by the Father, being knit together and, and lined with gold, but also it's like this idea of stew where we're adding these divine aspects of God's divine nature, and we're learning to live them. You see them right there. Let's just mention each of them briefly, that idea of goodness, simple goodness. God is good, all the time, and all the time, God is good. That, that, that's just a basis of who he is. As you do good, quite simply, you're participating in the divine nature. We come back to that, right? The, this idea... That's simply to do good. That's the challenge that I've taken on myself. That's the challenge I've tried to challenge many of you. What does it look like to simply do good every day in small ways and in great? There's been a recent uh, Pew research on the state of Christianity in the United States. And it's very sad you look at the state of Christianity worldwide, it is exploding. We are seeing a transformation of not only the religious landscape, the political landscape of, of nations. And yet in the West, the, the, the faith is receding. Participation is receding. I've prayed long and hard. How can I make a difference Every day in, the, in allowing people to, to experience positively the faith in me as a Christian. And I've come down to that first simple attribute. If the first touch, the one touch that people have 
is me doing good. At, the, at a restaurant with one of my daughters yesterday, and we're about to get a meal, and they bring the meal, and I just, it's just my practice. I said, hey, we're going to pray for our meal. Any way we can pray for you, and you can. She pauses, and she just shared about her mother's addiction. You could, she was feeling it deeply. We said, we'll, we'll pray for you. So we prayed for her mother's addiction. And then she came back and she said, you know, I do have a lot of other things that you could pray about. And I said, you know, we prayed for you too, not just your mom. She said, oh, good, okay. If that's the one experience that she has with a Christian that day, isn't that going to move us in the right direction? Say that simple act is participating in the divine nature of God. God is good all the time and all the time. So I think that has an everyday ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. So as we are good, we reflect the Father. Goodness also, self-control, uh, no, knowledge. Knowledge is the next one. My encouragement there is don't just work your jobs. Don't just raise your family. Don't just do church. Be a wisdom seeker, right? There's a reason that there's so many books especially in the Old Testament, that is known as wisdom literature, right? There's a reason that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Yes, because he's unfolding revelation and knowledge and understanding and wisdom. He doesn't want us just to be rats in the rat race doing our thing, even when it's good things that we're doing, job and family and church and all that. But there's this aspect that he's a God of revelation. He's a God of wisdom. And he wants us to be a people of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And he's pouring forth speech in creation and his word and in community. We need to be those wisdom seekers. Education is not spiritual transformation. I think the church has, has sometimes said, if you're educated, then you're, you're good to go. It's a part of spiritual formation. Go after God. What are you? That, that changed my educational experience when I decided rather I would worry less about my grades and more about what is God teaching me. That transformed and took my education and transformed it into knowledge and wisdom of God. Self control, another attribute. I'm going to make a statement here, and I want to ask all of you to not get up and leave, okay? Maybe. No matter how offensive this may be, right, to you, uh, do you, do you commit to staying? Maybe. Yes, okay. No, I need a yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. 
All right, are you ready for this statement? Perhaps participating in spiritual formation, you could, from time to time, deny yourself a want. Is everybody okay? That on occasion, that you might say, hey, part of, maybe I don't get it all together, but somehow how God wants to transform me is that perhaps his top priority is not to meet my every want and need. I'm going to make another radical transformation. Perhaps to cooperate with his spiritual transformation in our children's lives that we, on occasion, don't meet one of their wants and needs. Hmm? Yes? Is everybody okay? That, that's, that's part of that. that. That's learning. That discipline of sacrifice and self-control, that's part of, go too far into it, part of why fasting, a foreign concept to much of the church of the West, yes, that we would actually deny ours, and our, again, our culture, we have like to choose dog food, I get to choose the exact dog food I want at the price. And if it's not nuanced the exact way I want it, I get upset. Where's the selection? I only have seven forms of dog food, right? I'm going to go to another grocery store. You can apply that with everything. Toothpaste. Churches. <laughs> Right? We're so used to getting our every need and want nuanced and met. Perhaps we're missing a little bit of how God wants to form and shape us through self-control. Perseverance. Friends, when something gets hard, that's oftentimes when God does his best work. When, when, when a relationship gets hard and there's a huge temptation that you want to bail on a parent or a child or a friend or, or even a, a church, I, I'm convinced oftentimes people walk away at the precise moment that God is preparing to do his deepest work in the soul. And yet because we're cut and bait, because we're not pressing into that difficult because we, we've believed that the purpose of life is happiness and if I'm not experiencing happiness I'm out rather than the, the meaning of life being this idea of transformation and, and formation in connection to our savior we go boy this is this is really hard I, I'm hurting I'm concerned, I'm wrestling with, with worry, and yet, God, what are you doing in this moment? To persevere sometimes is to participate 
in the divine nature. Godliness, I would say that really points us in some of the traditional Christian disciplines that are foundational. If, if we stay with the, the idea of the ingredients of a stew, these traditional ones are the, are the meat of the stew, the, the prayer, the devotion to scripture, the reading, the worship, corporate worship together, those are the foundational disciplines. Brotherly kindness or mutual affection, that Greek word is the, the Philadelphia where we get the name of that city of brotherly love, of sisterly love. That that's part of how we enter into the divine nature. A number of weeks ago was pretty disappointed uh, mostly myself and mostly with how something had gone um, in uh, it was an important part of what we do here at a church and won't get into the details but I, I was disappointed and I had a friend call up who's a leader in the church and just said how you doing Eric and I said yeah I'm I'm disappointed. He's like, it's okay, we got this. We're good. We're doing that. It was, it was so nice to have a friend take the time he had just heard from his wife that I was disappointed. And he took the time to, to call me and share a word of encouragement and blessing. In that simple way, my friend was participating in the divine nature, in that mutual affection. Hung up the phone and I felt encouraged and blessed in that way. That's Philadelphia. This is agape, love. If, uh, if godliness is the meat and the stew, perhaps agape Love is, is the potatoes, the meat and potatoes of the stew. That's just, that, that is not the eros, the romantic love. That is the sacrificial love. If you want to grow in your faith, love someone you see as not very lovable. If you want to be transformed in your faith, this Thanksgiving or Christmas, choose your most annoying relative. <laughs> could be a sister or a brother. Could be an aunt or an uncle. You know that uncle that just, so, he always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. The one you just don't like, right? Is it okay to say that? Yeah, we need to love our family members, but sometimes we just don't like them, yeah? If you want to grow spiritually this Thanksgiving, choose that relative that is the least likable, that annoys you, and love them. And in a very profound way, you will be participating in the divine nature. 
Now, if you look at those attributes, I have a question for you. If these are ingredients in our stew, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brother, brotherly kindness, and love, if you were to taste that stew of your life, What do you lack? What's missing? What's the, don't do it for your spouse. Don't elbow right here. Oh, I know what you, yeah. No, no, no. What's that attribute that the Spirit of God would say, you know, that perseverance thing, I haven't seen a whole lot of that in your life. Listen, I, I'm forming you. I'm, I'm shaping you. But don't you realize I'm giving you opportunity each day to participate in what I'm doing in your life. That, that self-control one. Boy, you pretty much, you've been meeting every want and need. Remember that fire from within last week? And you just, you just meet what you want. What would it look like to exercise self-control? What about some of the traditional things of godliness? When was the last time that you sat down without distraction and just prayed? Just prayed. When's the last time you just opened the word of God and just read? Again, God is inviting us to participate in the divine nature. What is it for you? What's he saying to you? I can tell, I can tell you what mine is. You know what mine is? I'm not going to tell you. That's between me and God, okay? All right? What's he saying to you? One last thing about this beautiful passage in 2 Peter 1. He says this. He, we, we ended it with that verse 11. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is, again, an inspired author using language in different ways and different uh, uh, avenues to invite us into a beautiful concept. And in this instance, it's the kingdom of God. Peter talking here about the consummated kingdom, that when Jesus comes in a beautiful way, we're welcomed into the eternal kingdom. We've also talked much about Jesus' language in this circumstance when he talks about the kingdom of God, when the religious leaders were challenging him and wanting to see the kingdom. He says, you won't say it's here or there, for indeed the kingdom of God, this is Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. The apostle Paul emphasizing the, the spiritual nature of the kingdom, he says this in Romans 14, 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
It's the kingdom of God being formed within and him working righteousness and godliness and peace and joy and love, all of those things. Friends, that is the kingdom within. That is what God is desiring to do deep within you. He's wanting you to get on the potter's wheel and cooperate with his beautiful work in your life that it would flow from you. Can we bring this idea to communion? I want to invite the, the elders forward and the the worship team. The communion table has been called a means of grace. That idea that it's just a beautiful and mysterious and profound way that God's grace from the throne room His divine nature flows through this incredible sacrifice and fills our lives. And we say yes. We say yes, Lord, all that you have. Lord, fill us with your grace. Fill us, teach us to cooperate with your divine nature in ever-increasing measure. Would you fill us with who you are so that we might represent you to the world?